0: Go to the book of James, if you will. I was preaching from this particular text uh, a couple of months ago, uh, and I came across it again in my study of the New Testament some time ago. And I want to bring to our attention in James chapter 1, we're going to look at verse number 2 through verse number 8. James chapter 1, and verse 2 through verse number 8. God's master plan is masterful. I know that's a little bit redundant. Sometimes I think to myself when I get to heaven I'm going to tell the Lord man you did a good job. Not that he needs my approval or my pom poms to cheer but he just has done a great job. Brother Turnbull, good to see you. Sorry. (laughs) And uh, so God has just done a great job. One of the things in his master plan is he gave us houses of worship. He gave us Um, places to go. The reason America is great is because we have religious freedoms. And there is an evil side in our society that they know not God. They want not God. But praise God, there's still the majority that want Christ. They want the Lord. They have a Bible. And uh, so I praise the Lord for that. And it all comes down to the fact that we gather for A pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, a missionary, for them to take a portion of the text and raise it out for the Holy Spirit to use in the lives of everyone. This process is only thwarted or confused or damaged when the pastor has an agenda he's trying to get done. I am not a politician. I do not have a platform from which I direct the church, I only have the scriptures. And I think the beautiful thing about this is, is that God gives us scriptures at the right time we need them, although we probably could not even articulate our need. Such is the case this morning, and I'm, by faith, I'm going to James chapter 1 in verse number 2, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, the moment we stepped on property, the moment we got out of our cars, the moment we made our way in, it, were the, it was these beginning moments that everything from a smile to a handshake to Sunday school to the scripture to the singing and now we're down through the offering and now we're down to your word. Everything has been orchestrated to make us more like you. Not orchestrated by us, but orchestrated by you. You've given us the word. and Lord, I, I am just so excited about this text for this morning that God, I'm laying myself before you and I want you to work on me. May our hearts right now May it divorce itself from the problems of life. May we just take the next few moments and say, God, would you work on us? God, give us something. Help us as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My brethren, James 1, 2, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, I love those two words, knowing this, put confidence in it, that the trying of your faith And if you'll kind of go back in reading, the trying of your faith is through the diverse temptations. So, this is how God perfects your faith and tries your faith. Now, when it says temptations there, it is not referring to evil. What it is referring to is adversity, difficulties. So, it is when adversity and difficulties come into your world. You may have faced some this week, you may have faced some this morning. I'm sure everybody could testify that this was a very difficult thing. I've just walked through. This adversity for saved people is to try their faith. It is to perfect their faith. So he is writing and he's saying this. Now, brethren, listen to this. Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, James 1, 4, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that God God giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think, the man that has strayed off course. For let not that man think that he will receive, shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. For you and I to truly appreciate the, the verses we just read, we're going to have to understand why it was being written, to whom it was being written. So let's go back to verse number 1. Would you look at James chapter 1 and verse 1? James, a servant of God... And of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad greeting. James is sending this letter to these 12 tribes of believers that are now, listen to this, this is one of those beginning blocks for the truth. They are now not centralized in fellowship and in one location. That's very important. They are not centralized. They now are not an Acts 2 congregation. In fact, I want you to go to Acts chapter 2, if you will. And in Acts chapter 2, you're going to find out that people were getting saved. And in the early church, these Jews were getting saved. Gentiles are are going to start more. Gentiles are going to get saved. But now Jews are becoming believers. And if you'll look all the way down in in Acts chapter 2, and we go all the way down to the very end of the chapter, it says this in Acts 2.42. Verse 1, I should say, 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they what? Continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and having chili on Sunday night. Now that's what Bob's version says. Amen. When I was studying this, I'm like, mm. And then you're going to need a lot of prayers after that's the very last thing there in the verse. And fear gets better as a continuation. Fear came upon every soul. <laughs> so you'll find here that I got to stop. You got to you'll find here that The early church, they were getting saved and the ascension had happened and now the the power had happened. The, The day of Pentecost had happened. This thing was like, wow, the power truly was manifested and people started getting saved and people started joining the church and this church of Jerusalem, everything was just bundled together. They had all things common. They were breaking bread. They were going from house to house. It was an amazing time. But then something happened As you travel through these chapters, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5, Acts 6, Acts 7, go to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, we now understand the context of James. I just don't want you to come to church to to walk out and saying, you know, what is the basis for what we're talking about. I want you to learn. So let's learn the book. The book of James is predicated, or, or I should say is a result of what happened here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you're trying to put together the rest of the New Testament, it, that's why it's called the Acts of the Apostles. Because what happens is everything from here with the churches, you can find the footprint in the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all, what please, scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Go to Acts chapter 11 and verse number 19. Gentlemen, if you will get ready with that slide and I'll tell you in just a moment. Acts chapter 11 and verse number 19. Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen... Traveled as far as Phoenice, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word, the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now this is very important to give you an idea of what has happened. They were centralized, and all of a sudden, but persecution started. And any time that you live for the Lord Jesus Christ, persecution is going to come your way. Yea, and all that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So here they were centralized, and this is very important for the sermon, if you'll put the slide up there. But then all of a sudden, all the arrows represent the direction that they went. All of a sudden, these, these cities were, were just, they were scattered. The persecution, and all of a sudden, the stoning. And we know that Saul was a big part of this persecution. And then all of a sudden, this just, so this made the book of James one of the earliest letters that were sent out. Do not let the chronological order of the Bible that we hold in our hand confuse us. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the Bible order that you have in your hands, Genesis or Revelation, confuse you with the chronological timeline. Because of this persecution, these believing Jews were scattered, we, and, and all of a sudden they're abroad. James sits down because the Bible is very clear that everybody was scattered except the apostles. And James sits down and he's worried about these believers. So what he does is he pins these words and then he sends them to the believing Jews that were scattered throughout all these places. Now again, get the picture. They are together. All their adversity they had done together. All their problems they had handled together. But now persecution, they now are scattered this letter that was written, it was to provide guidance to everyday living with what Christians were to believe and what, how they were to act. Up until this point, they were in Acts chapter 2 model. Up until this point, they had not left the location where they had gotten saved, this Jerusalem revival that had taken place, but now these Jews are scattered. And James was smart enough to know this. You now have no leadership. Now, this is very important. You now have no leadership. If you would go to Ephesians chapter 2 in verse number 20. Ephesians chapter 2 in verse number 20. In Ephesians chapter 2 in verse number 20, in verse number 19, it says this, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built, look at this, upon the foundation of the what? Apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the problem here was, while these churches were getting established, James' fear was that you're going to go through a tough time, and you have no apostle to turn to. You, You have no church leader to turn to. So this is why he was writing these brethren's. And we come down to this encouragement in verse number 2. Look at it. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting wanting nothing. You will experience many trials is what he's telling them. You will go through many adversities. But you know this and have confidence that you should have joy because this trial that you're going through will give you patience, it will teach you to endure, don't make a decision in the middle of adversity, just endure. Put a smile on your face and endure. And he's coming all the way down because he's he's telling them this, all the problems you're going through, these problems are what make you mature. The reason we have Christians that are baby Christians, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with being a baby. But you and I would all agree if you went back to the nursery right now and there was a 35-year-old laying in a crib with a bottle in his mouth, we would say, Anthony Martinez, get out of there and get back into the auditorium. We would say, okay, okay that, that's, that's odd. And I think the reason that people don't mature is because we don't let them go through adversity with God rather than just shield them from adversity. Do we not agree that the American male is soft in this day and time? Soft. I was on my way to church this morning. I wasn't going to tell this, but I'm still a little bit amped up about it. Amped up. Spell that in capital letters. Somebody, mm, amped. Plug it in. Coming down George Ritchie Road, and I'm cutting through. And I saw a drug deal go down. Made me mad just just ticked me off. Now if my wife was with me, she would say bob. That's why we have police officers. Keep traveling, not me, not me. I can't stand stuff like that. I put that Chevy in reverse. I backed that baby up. I jumped out of that truck, got my tie on, and I said, "Hey, what's going on here? I pastor in this community. We don't need this kind of junk going on." Now you would think a drug dealer Would be all about. We we got going. We got going. You said, "What would you have done if you had done that?" I've been. I'm just kidding. I I didn't. really mean that, (laughs) y'all. I don't know what came over me, but it was like, "Hey, I pastor in this community, and that kind of junk." What? What? I took a picture of the license plate. I'm. I'm. I'm still mad right now. But you would think a drug dealer—I didn't tell him my last name. I didn't tell him where I pastored. <laughs> you would think a drug dealer would be all up in my business, but it was amazing that even drug dealers ain't got a backbone. And I'll tell you why. I don't know about them. Let me reverse and get out of the drugs. And and but but the reason that adults to some degree, and we got a couple of police officers right now, and I know what they're thinking. I am not going to look your way, guys, because I know you're saying to yourself, what were you thinking, Pastor? Where were you? You should have been hooked up with me. We could have had a great time. I could have been on Police Live PD. and uh, Oh, are we not supposed to watch that? And uh, and I would have been like, oh, that's me, Pastor, P, Policeman, P, Pastor. <laughs> I got to stop. I, I just realized they're in the house and I, Josh, stop it. Jacob, stop it because the looks I can't take anymore. And uh, where was I at? Adversity. That's where I was at. But adversity was meant to mature. And sometimes the hardest thing you'll get across to Christians is this, and new believers, listen to this. If this whole thing of Christianity is starting to become new to you, do not look at adversity as punishment. Look at adversity as maturing. God is trying to mature you, and he's bringing adversity your way. So the adversity at the moment is to be viewed this way. This problem coming my way is going to help me. It is going to mature me. But I'm not sure that I could get to pastor quick enough. My title is um, kind of indicative of my phone. And, and put it up there. Hey, God, you have a moment to talk? I'm not God. I'm not saying that. People call me God. But I am saying that is it not frustrating sometimes at the moment you need a question answered at the moment you're going through adversity and we live in a technology age to where it is like I'm going to text right away and y'all I have to apologize to you for not getting back to you I know it's been five years and I'm trying But I would tell you this, that no matter how scattered you are, and no matter how much adversity you face, God is right there. And he's writing to these Jews and he's saying, look guys, look, I know that you saw us on a continuous basis when we were all together, we were there, but there are, you now are scattered and know this, the adversities you're going through and the problems you're going through, please know that these problems are to mature you and these problems are to make you better. And you're going to have to face it with joy knowing that the end product is what you want and that this adversity is where you're at. Then he comes to verse number 5, and here's the, here's the sermon. Look at it, verse number 5. It says this, If any of you lack what, please? Wisdom. Go back to, the, go back to the, 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 uh, the picture. If any of you lack what? Wisdom. Do you know what this is saying? That when you face adversity, there are some adversities that you have wisdom to take care of. Like, for instance, if your engine's not running well, don't call me. How many, when your engine... When, when your engine's not going well, how many do not think of me as a resource? Would you raise your hand? You do not. Now, that hurts me. I, I don't think I can preach anymore. When you have a medical condition and something's wrong with you, don't ask your husband. Husbands are the most unsympathetic creatures that ever walked the planet. The wives of revival is happening right now. But I will tell you this, there are some things that you know, I do this and it fixes this. I do this and it fixes this. It doesn't mean you don't have a total reliance upon God. But there are those situations and there, there are those adversities. And I know what James is going through here because James' love for these people was that they, they, because of persecution they were scattered. I'm not there with them. I can't answer these things right away. There were 12 of us that could service all the adversity problems. There were 12 of us here in Jerusalem. And the more these Jews got saved and the more problems started coming and the more these, this, this temptation, these trials started coming, we were there to service them. It has always been that way in God's work. But then something happened. They were scattered. And James is telling them, said, look, 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 look. You're away from here. You're scattered. Know this, that these problems and these trials, they absolutely are helping you grow. But if you face something that you don't have time to write a letter and send it back to Jerusalem, then here's what you do. Don't you love God? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. It does not say, and I know sometimes people are like, Pastor, why do you haggle over words? Words mean a lot. It did not say, let him ask God. Look what it says. Let him ask of God. Literally, that word of is such a a transitional word and such a word that says this it literally means this: God possesses all wisdom, God knows how you're to, how this how this situation should go God, I am asking of you for you to give me a little bit of how you look at this. So that I can take how you look at this and how you would do this and then God armed with your knowledge and armed with your mind, I'm getting back in there and I'm going to live life and go through this adversity based on how you look at it. Y'all listen to this. There are times that even when you can get a hold of a spiritual leader or somebody spiritual in your life and somebody that's on your list of counselors, even if you could get a hold of them, is it not frustrating when they just simply say, well, brother... I'm praying for you. And you're like, I didn't call you to pray for me. I called you to ask you, what should I do? Well, brother, I'm praying for you. The beautiful thing about Christ dying on the cross and that middle wall of partition coming down and that when somebody trusts him is this. You've got God living on the inside of you. And God said, you may be scattered, but I went with you. That's what James was trying to tell them. You may have been scattered from the place that you got saved and born again, but my God went with you when you went to all these places, and although you can't see me and you can't ask me, know this, on the inside of you is a God with all wisdom. You just simply ask him, God, I need part of your wisdom in my world to help me through this adversity. And then he said this, but let him ask in what? Faith. Faith in what? Faith in God's attitude about you asking. Go back to the verse before. Ask in faith. What am I I doing? I'm coming to God with confidence and faith, and go back to the verse before that one, He will give me enough wisdom and then some to make it through. Two, he won't be upset with me for asking him for wisdom. Did you see that? So you've got to say, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Have you ever called somebody for help and you felt bad about calling and then you start out with these words, I, I hate to bother you? How I many that's your default opening statement sometimes? I, I, I hate to bother you. I hope I'm not intruding. I'm, I hope I'm not invading. And don't you love it when somebody goes, yeah, you're wasting my time. What do you want? <laughs> you know what I mean? You already feel that low. <laughs> and then they reject you, and you feel that low. And they're like, what do you want? Yeah, I'm busy. And it's like, ah. Oh. Now, question, do we go any further when somebody responds that way? Nah. Nah. God, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what tight spot you're in. But the devil is a master at bitterness, seeds, seeds of bitterness that he plants in believers' minds and hearts that tell them this. Nobody cares. I can't get a hold of anybody. If they really cared, they'd call me back. If they really did this, they'd do this and do that. Let me tell you something. There is on in the inside of you a somebody that all you got to do is ask, one. Two, he will never say, what are you asking me about? Shouldn't you know that? How many has ever asked an honest question For somebody to look at you, and don't raise your hand, just in your heart, ask an honest question, and then all of a sudden somebody made fun of you for just an honest question. I, I just, I don't know, I just, I'm asking. I'm thinking of kids in class situations to where maybe somebody doesn't understand an algebra equation. The rest of the class gets it, they understand it. But I wonder how many children sit in silence Struggling with no wisdom of how to do this because if they did raise their hand and said, I, Can I ask a what, question? What is that all about? And the other kids in the class, are you there with me in your mind? The other kids in the class go, Oh, you should know. What, you dummy or something? Like, that's obvious. Brother Robinson, I now am going to pull you into the message. I've been waiting for this. So Brother Robinson was so kind. And I'm always stepping into stuff like this. So he has some wood. We're unloading this wood. <laughs> and I look at Brother Robinson and I said, hey, what you been doing today? He just got done cutting up a tree. There were guys helping. And I said, hey, what you been doing today? Brother Robinson. <laughs> and the guys all stop. They look at the trailer. And he's like, cutting wood? Oh, yeah, that's why we're unloading it, because that's what you've been doing today. I mean, my mind wasn't working, and I thought, okay, that's funny. And I've still been laughing about that, you know. Hey, what you doing, cutting up wood, That's cut a tree? That's why we're unload. get it? <laughs> like I'm on NyQuil, I don't know. And, uh, and understand, but God, God never, when you go, God, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I should know how to do this. I, I'm, I'm smart enough I should know how to do this. And it comes back to the number one thing God hates. Pride. Pride. Did you hear that? Pride. And there's nothing wrong with asking people. There's nothing wrong with going to people and saying, hey, could you kind of help me out? But you know who you need to go to First. God. Because God. Parents, when your kids face a tough situation, push them back to God before you give them your mind. Say, so how about we do this? How about we go to prayer? How about you go read the word for the next five, 10 minutes and let's, let's see what God has to say about this. Because there is something that says, God, I need your help. He says this, you ask, ask in faith, not wavering, So now you have the wavering, which is interesting, for he that wavereth, look at it, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. These two verses are very, very important because these two verses shed light on this. Listen, from the moment you face adversity to the moment you ask for help, however far apart those two are, will give you a double mind on the situation. Think with me. He used the term tossed to and fro. I'm going to let Ethan, you're going to be my adversity. Get up here. You're my adversity. Truly, he is my adversity. So adversity happens. Watch this. From the moment adversity happens to the moment I ask God for help. However much time I put in there, I'm tossed. The literal underlining thought here in the scriptures is the waves are pushing me away from the adversity and I am out away from it. Now how I look at it is double-minded. How I look at it is, yes, there is a God who is in control, but... Maybe if I did this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, maybe God will fit with my plan, and that's how I'm going to get through it. How many's ever faced adverse times, and you handled it completely wrong? Y'all better raise your hand. Sure, because when something happens here, and you're in the middle of this adversity, and you're like, "Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I can, can, no, nobody's answering me. And what do I do? You have to right away ask God." For wisdom. At the point of adversity, please do not take one more minute. Do not take five more minutes. Do not let it rest for a day and a half. Listen, problems don't get better over time. Problems just stink over time. And the biggest thing James was telling them was this, you're going to face problems, but if you don't ask God for how to handle this, then you will be tossed to and fro And you will be way out here, and you will be double-minded. Look what the Word says. And I know we don't like to paint God as a God, but look what the Word says. This is what the Word says. A double mind. Verse 7, for let not that man think that he will receive what? Anything of the Lord. Oh. So many verses. Proverbs 2 is sticking in my spirit right now. You ever confused about Proverbs 2 to where it says, I called but he laughed at my calamity? Don't back away, you're my adversity. Watch this. God says this through James. Hey, believers scattered, problems are coming your way, Adversity's coming your way. Know this, that your God is ready to give you of his wisdom and your God is ready to help you through your adversity. But the longer you wait, the more you waver, the more you just take your time. You're going to be like that ship that's tossed way out here. And then you're going to be so far away that you become double-minded. And this kind of mind, he does not give his wisdom to. Then you have a seat. That's why it is very important that you stay as close to God as you can. We're all trapped in human flesh. I'm not talking about perfection right now. I'm not talking about you got everything right. I am talking about this. It is a constant heart of God, I love you. God, I want you pleased with me. God, I need you. But please, at the moment adversity happens, I'm in with two things. Has a relationship in your life ever got so convoluted or strained that you wanted to fix it, but you didn't even know how you got there? Have you ever fixed it this way? And here's sometimes how I fix relationships like that. Hey, we could sit here and detail a hundred different reasons for us being at odds with each other. But how about we just cut to the chase and how about we just tell you this? I love you. And I'm sorry that our relationship's in this state. Can we just start over? Can we just start over? God's wisdom is available to you. So at the moment there's adversity, don't go any further. Get on your knees. You say, but I'm not worthy and I'm not perfect. You're his child, you're his child. Are you telling me, grown parents, can I get an amen on this one? Are you telling me that if any one of our children, regardless of how they behave, came to us and said, I'm in in the middle of a problem. I am in the middle of a problem. I need help. There is not a parent alive that would reject their child on that basis. And it doesn't matter. But I will tell you this, that the further you get away, and honestly, the reason he said this, it's cuz he said now don't think God's going to give you wisdom. Listen to this and here's why he said it to do it your way. God's not going to give us wisdom to do it your way. That's why he said I won't put my wisdom in a man that's double-minded. Because a double-minded man is so unstable that he would take my wisdom and try to do it his way and spiritualize the whole thing. Question, do you ever give a million dollars to somebody who can't handle money? No. And that's why you got to stay close to the Lord. I use this by permission and I'm done. Got a call from one of our men several months ago. He was just very honest. He said, I'm so going through it right now. He said, I'm going to give you a situation, Pastor, that adversity I'm going through that I've gone through for the last six months. I said, so how long ago did it start? He said, six months ago. I said, have you talked to the Lord about it? He said, Pastor, I'm so far removed from the Lord I'm so far removed, I I don't even know what to do. Then he said this, but I know that you walk with the Lord. Could you get the answer for me? And he's in the auditorium this morning, and, and I know he's chuckling a little bit right now. And here was my answer to him. I can't get the answer for you, but I can go with you to get the answer. I'm not a pope. I'm not all-knowing. But I'll go with you. He said, can we meet? I said, absolutely, where are you at? He told me where he was at. We met. And we just simply got on our knees. Right there in that parking lot where we met. And I said, God, my friend needs a little bit of wisdom. He's a little bit scared to talk to you. God, please hear him. I said, I'm going to leave get back in your truck, and you just spend time with the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. Your God is waiting and ready to give you the wisdom you need to go through the adversity that you're in. And if right now you're here and you're saying, I'm in a tough spot. I mean, I'm in, I mean, I'm in the middle of those one that, that, that my reputation is at stake and my future's at stake and my children are at stake and this is going wrong, I can see it, then this is adversity then it's time to ask wisdom of God. And it's time to commit to God. That God, from now on, when I face a problem, I'm going to ask you first, what is going on? You say, Pastor, are you trying to get out of counseling and talking with people? I love talking with people. I love counseling. But I'm trying to tell you, your first move ought to be to your knees with God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'll ask the musicians to come.